I think it comes back down to like putting out content that's unique or something different that people don't see every day um, is really going to be the thing that catapults you. Like you can run paid ads to any newsletter and you'll probably get a few subscribers. But if it's not something that people look at and they go, whoa, this is different or whoa, this is saving Mm. me time. um, I think it's going to be really hard to take like the growth that you've started and really um, amplify that, if you will. So Mm. I I really think it starts with content. Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback of people saying like, I read this every week. I look for this in my inbox, Um, which is always a good sign. I think if you find something your audience really enjoys reading every single week, you're going to have an easier time. Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast, where I unpack and narrate stories of ambitious people who turn obstacles into opportunities. My goal for this podcast is to create a platform to narrate underdog stories and maybe play a small, teeny tiny role in inspiring you. I intend to highlight the underdog mentality and make authentic conversations with people who play the long game, take action with the chip on their shoulder, and convert obstacles into opportunities. Buckle up, as I'll be bringing some authentic founders, VCs, community builders, and content creators who got underestimated their whole lives and yet, they beat all the odds to become insanely successful. Now, today I want to tell you a little bit about our awesome sponsor, Acquire.com. Selling a business is as tough as building a business. As someone who went through this process once, selling my own startup, I know the pain it takes to get to the end zone. This is where our sponsor shines. Imagine this, you're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product, acquired customers and generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is you're not growing forever for whatever reason, lack of focus, lack of skill, or just plain lack of interest. And you feel stuck. What should you do? The story I'd like to hear is you buckle down, somehow reignited the fire, get past yourself and the cliches and start working on your business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience, move out of your comfort zone to do sales and marketing, and in six months, you triple your revenue. The reality isn't as simple. Situations may be different from every founder facing these crossroads, but too many times, the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the the business becomes less valuable or worse, worthless. If you find yourself here, or your story is likely headed down a similar road, I offer you a third option. Consider selling your business on Acquire.com. Capitalizing on the value of your time is a smart move. Acquire.com is free to list and they've helped hundreds of founders already. Go to try.acquire.com and see for yourself if this is the right option for you. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome, welcome, folks. Welcome to yet another episode of uh, the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. I'm your host, Sharath. Uh, I'm fresh. I just took a big shower and I'm prepared for this uh, amazing podcast uh, interview with uh, none other than Chanel Basilio. Welcome to the show. I I hope I didn't butcher your last name, but uh, Chanel, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sharath. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I first discovered your newsletter growth in reverse in March of this year, and I've been a big fan. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, that's one of, one of the newsletter I 
open every week for sure. Uh, no matter what, that's how I learned about you, uh, the way you do research, the way you give shout outs to like the community and whatnot. So big fan of yours. And I'm, I'm, I'm very stoked to bring you on the show. Uh, for folks who doesn't know Chanel, Chanel is, she's a powerhouse of knowledge, I would say about strategic thinking, how to, you know, about growth in general, uh, her incredible ability to reverse engineer the growth strategies of top creators, uh, founders and startups made her launch this newsletter called growth in reverse, which has amassed over like what? 50,000 plus subscribers. That's a massive feat right there. Uh, and she invests 20 hours each week uh, doing research. That's a, that's a good chunk of, you know, amount of time. Uh, she's done some amazing stories. Some of the best stories I love is about Justin Welsh, Annie Rachitsky, uh, Dickie Bush, my good friend, shout out to him. Uh, and her, her, her thinking about doing, you know, growth in reverse. That's the, the, the name itself is so fascinating to me. Uh, and she's a writer. One of the things that you and I have common uh, is that she started her journey as a as a business analyst, which I want to unpack. You know, that's that's probably the first question I have. But you know, dive in, uh, just buckle up because this is going to be an exciting episode for all the creators out there who are writing uh, the newsletters and how to grow strategically in a more streamlined way. But without further ado, right off the bat. I think you, you and I have many commonalities. Uh, you know, you have a good studio setup. I have a fairly, you know, okay-ish studio setup. You, you've just moved into a new house. You know, we're, we bought a new house as well. You're Thanks. a creator. I'm a creator. I can go on and on. But one of the things that struck to me when I was doing research on you is that you started your career as a business analyst in AAA, if I'm not wrong. Uh, talk to me about that corporate experience and the transformation of you being working at a corporate job to like where you are right now as a content creator. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Um, so I don't know that I would call it a business analyst, but it was pretty close. Um, so I was running paid ads for AAA. Um, hmm. and it's actually really funny. I got into it because I have a degree in geography. And so, um, when I went into okay. an interview, I was like applying to hundreds of jobs because I graduated in 2009, like at the height mm -hmm. of the recession. Um, my mom, shout out to my mom, she was actually sending my application into like tons of places. So I didn't even realize oh. what I was walking into when I went to AAA. Um, and so we all, they... We, we all need a mom like yours. <laughs> I know. She's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't realize what I was walking into, but I actually was getting a job in their travel department. And they thought that because I had a degree in geography, it was really, you know, a good, good place for me mm. to be, um, which is fine. It worked out really well. Um, and then I ended up moving into the marketing team at AAA. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, I had discovered this thing called SEO through Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. And right. so I told my boss like, oh, we should be doing this. And of course they were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you need to do. Um, and then their paid ads guy left. So the guy that was running Google ads for them left and they were like, well, you know, you know how to do this organic mm -hmm. stuff. Why don't you do the paid stuff? And I'm like, guys, I've mm. never run a paid ad in my life. Mm. And so they put me in charge of a ton of money, um, with all these paid ads. And I was just kind of hit the ground running, learning how to do that. And then I ended up, um, 
having a couple of clients on the side. So friends, family members needed help with their mm. own Google ads. Uh, so I was helping them out. And then I ended up leaving AAA in 2017 to go out on my mm. own. Um, That's awesome. So I've been doing that for six years. And then, you know, in December of last year, I started Growth in Reverse. So yes, yes. kind of that, random. That's where, that's where the whole trajectory hit. Uh, I, I don't know if you, if you can see there is like this, you know, it's kind of like blurred out, but this is what I, I keep on reminding myself. This is kind of like a graph, uh, Jack Butcher design. Jack Butcher, yeah. Right? <laughs> and you never know where you will basically take off. And a lot of people, they just give up, uh, right? Like, you know, like probably like two more steps, you know, into their trajectory and they just like, you know what, I'm done. But I think that's where you just have to keep going. I love the fact that 2017, uh, it's been a long time that you were on your own and, you know, so growth in reverse is like the thing that clicked. So, mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about growth in reverse. You know, I feel that's, that's the biggest topic, hot topic, uh, for this episode, I would say, uh, one of the things I want to, I'm very curious about why newsletter, you can choose another medium like podcasts, or you can choose doing like a, like your own podcast monologue type of a thing where you can like you know uh guide people through your you know beautiful voice and whatnot but why why this medium why, what made you choose newsletter over everything yeah so when i was helping clients with paid ads um, i would see some of them be able to um, grow their email list and send an email and overnight make ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars just from selling a course or a product and i mm. always thought that was fascinating and then in about November of last year, I found uh, Mario Gabrielli of The Generalist, and mm, yeah, I realized that in his first yeah. 12 months of writing his newsletter, he made over $300,000. And I was like, whoa, this is a little crazy. And I was like, how did he grow this? Like, how did he do that? And I wanted to figure right. it out. So that ended up being the first deep dive I ever wrote. Um, but email is just super powerful. Like you, if you have a podcast, if you're selling a course, if you have a service, like you can promote that through your newsletter, through your email list. So I mm. think a lot of people really, you know, sleep on that, but um, mm. it's a very powerful tool. I'm one of them. I, I don't have like an email <laughs> list. I, I think after talking to you, probably I'll start one in 2024. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I just have this, I think partly because I don't have a newsletter is I have this limiting belief. Uh, which, uh, which triggers me back and forth saying that you are not a writer, only writers or people who have the ability to write long form deserves to have a newsletter, which is in a way BS, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there are so many, they, they, there are so many formats of newsletters that are popular, like three to one by James Clear, uh, so on and so forth. Like, uh, Sean Puri, he has a short and crisp newsletter as well uh tim ferris has this you know five yeah five bullet friday yeah 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 five yeah. minute friday and whatnot but you're giving me push janelle like you know <laughs> hopefully like i'll get it started but yeah so talk to me about i think you're one of those folks who who are in a way profiling creators uh, and founders but particularly to you know growth so why 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 that particular topic you can choose anything that you want like people who are just getting started like how to get first thousand users that can be a niche what made you uh become fascinated about growth in general 
Um, I think after finding Mario and learning more about his story, um, I went super deep into the topic and I realized that newsletters can span so many different areas, right? So you have a James Clear or you have uh, a Ryan Holiday who's talking about mm -hmm. stoicism. You know, there's just so many different areas and I'm really just interested in so many different things. So it just really made sense for me to um, profile those different creators. Mm. I mean, startups are not really something I'm passionate about, um, but through this research, I've become super passionate about newsletters and how you grow an audience and hmm. build on top of that and, you know, have creators build a business for themselves that they can kind of, you know, live off of, which is really, hmm. really fascinating. And uh, have you ever thought like, uh, I, I want to definitely dive into a lot about your research you know, how do you do, what is your day-to-day -day look like? What is the processes and frameworks and whatnot? But have you ever thought about uh, being more of like a, I wouldn't say imposter or have you ever thought of like, you know what, I'm studying these amazing folks, but I am not there yet. So there is two ways to that coin. One is that motivates you, which I, which I think it did, but I'm also curious about the other things. You know what, man, this is super tough. Or, you know, this requires a lot of time. Do I have everything in my ability to achieve that? So have you ever faced that self-doubt when you do research? And how do you over overcome it as a writer? Yeah, I mean, all the time. I think it was a lot more prevalent in the beginning of my journey because I'm like, who am I? Like, I know nothing about email and mm. newsletters and that kind of thing. Um, and it's still like every week I still face this. I'm like, oh, is this good enough? Like, am I doing this creator justice through my research? Um, and so it's just, it is just something that I think I'll always have to live with. Um, but mm. yeah, I mean, it's definitely not uncommon for me <laughs> to experience that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's just really, um, and the reason I really like what I'm doing is I'm taking something someone else has done. So like, I'm a, mm. I'm an extreme introvert. So being able to just share somebody else's story versus my own is a lot easier for me. Mm. Um, people ask about my story all the time. And I have, I actually did post um, a couple of weeks ago, I did like kind of my own deep dive um, mm -hmm. of how I got to 24,000 subscribers in 11 months. Um, mm. And so that did really well. And it got the most feedback of all of the things that I've done. But mm. it's easier for me to just profile other people at the end of the day. So and uh, what is a Okay, I think let's get into the topic. So I think you just <laughs> also mentioned that you're an extreme introvert. You're talking to another fellow introvert here. We should join. We should start a club. Probably that's the new starter we should aim for. Like you know, hey introverts, join. <laughs> let's build like a safe space. Uh, let's, yeah. You know, let's let's move that discussion to another another day. But uh, when you do research, uh, talk to me about the the most comfortable phases of research and the most uncomfortable phases of research? Yeah. I don't know that there's uncomfortable ones. It's more of just like challenging. So I will essentially the first thing I do when I find a creator I want to reverse engineer is I will, you know, kind of get a good understanding of their story and make sure there's something for my audience to learn from their story. Mm -hmm. So I've actually, you know, there have been times where I've, you know, canned a deep dive that I had scheduled or that I would plan to do. But usually I'll make sure there's a story there. And then I go out and I find all of the interviews they've ever done. So I'll go through Spotify and make a really long playlist mm. of all of the things they've been on. So it's usually podcasts. I'll check YouTube for YouTube videos. Um, I Google to see if there's any text-based interviews. 
And mm. then I start listening. So I'll go on these really long walks and I'll just listen to all of the mm. interviews they've done. And then I start looking for patterns and things that they say frequently or that they um, say infrequently. And, you know, you always find like a little gold nugget in every one. But yeah, so that's kind of like the main piece of it. And it takes up a lot of time for some people. Like I did uh, research on Sahil Bloom and he has like tons of interviews he's done. Uh, Justin Walsh was the same way. I know you had him on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like, he's been on like 50 plus podcasts. So it's mm. listening to, and sometimes I can't go through them all. So I'll try and, you know, go make a list of like, which ones I think will be most beneficial. But mm. that is the most time consuming part is listening mm. and uh, reading all their interviews. And uh, that's so fascinating. I, I think I should do this too. I feel, I think not just you, I think someone else. Uh, I recently had a part, uh, talk about research. I think Polina, she also mentioned the same thing, which is taking, a, dedicating an un, unwavered time um, into research is really essential. Uh, basically it's not sitting in on your desk and doing you know general stuff like googling and all but i think detaching from your workstation and really like you know putting putting yourself in in a different position like walking like taking long walks i think probably i should do it as well Uh, but that's a great tip right there and when you do these profiles uh, and when you find these patterns what what is one thing that you find it super common you've done so many profiles so far you know last december you know closing on one year so congrats on that thank uh, you but what is a common pattern in your observation that all these newsletter writers creators founders startups you know be put it in any bucket that have one in common um are you asking about like a growth strategy or yeah. something that i just okay Something that you, you really felt like, you know, this is like one thing that I, that keep on coming back when I do these profiles. Yeah. I would say the one thing, oh, it's hard to pick. I would say they have amazing content. So it's, you know, whether it's something super unique, uh, they're doing a bunch of research on something, they're interviewing multiple people and combining all of that data into one piece. Mm. Um, it's just good content. And I know that sounds really bland, but if mm-hmm. you don't have good content, people aren't going to share it. People aren't going to remember that you, you know, you are still writing or creating what you're creating. So if you're, if your content is lackluster, it's going to be very, very hard to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think good content, in my opinion, is definitely value. I would say if I, if you ask me what is, what is the definition of good content, in my opinion, it's like, pure value that is going to help other people achieve. But if there is this 10% bit, I think it, it, it deserves a credit for creators to package them like in a way that's so consumable, right? So talk to me about your definition of good content or how should one achieve when they're, when they're starting or like for listeners who are already in the bucket of, you know, having a newsletter and like growing. Yeah, I mean, if you already have a newsletter, there the ways that I see people creating better content than others is, you know, creating different visuals like that Jack Butcher when you're referring to. Um his visuals stand out. You can definitely tell that it's something he created. Um mm. and so that's one way. The other way is just like combining multiple different ideas together. So, um you think of like I don't know, like Miss Excel, Cat Norton. She started 
on TikTok and she was dancing with Excel tips Mm -hmm. floating above her head. Like it's just really unique. Um, Mm. Or you have like a Lenny Richitsky who has deep experience in the product space and he's able to Mm. pull that experience and his connections together and kind of create different content. Um, You have other people who they accept like anonymous tips from people. So in the journalism world, I think that's called like a scoop. Like you get an exclusive Mm -hmm. story from someone. Um, So like Gergay Oros, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but I did a deep dive on him and he has like essentially an anonymous form that you can fill out and Mm -hmm. say like, Hey, this tech company is going to lay off 500 people. And so like he gets those, those um, Mm. stories before anyone else. And it's just super fascinating to think of that way. Um, or then there's like Dan from TLDR is a curated newsletter and his, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you could look at it and say, it's not great, but the way he curates and the stories he curates are really interesting and people love that. So it's Mm. not just another, you know, bucket of links that people are sending out. He's actually doing a really good job doing that. I love what you mentioned about, uh, this, you know. Hear, hear it for the first time type of stories, right? Which are not never heard before, uh, as well as curation, which is a big piece of majority of, uh, you know, people's newsletters. They just curate in a better way. So better curators, in a way, are better creators. Uh, in your opinion, if you were to start, would you start? So profiling, in a way, is not curation, but you're also kind of adding your own touch to it, your own flavor, your own element. Uh, so if we were to like start again, would you do the same or would you do something different? Uh, probably like, you know, start curating, you know, different, different profiles. What what, what was your, uh, what would your mindset be like? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, and it's hard to answer for everyone, but I think for me, I really enjoy going super deep on a topic or a person mm. or a creator. And then like the next week, like, starting again with something different like that really Mm. lends itself well to my strengths but some people Mm. are really good at scouring the internet and finding good stories that link together Um, one of my favorite creators right now is a guy named billy oppenheimer he actually Mm, works under ryan holiday um yeah yeah. and so he he essentially picks a theme for a week and he'll find six stories or quotes from like celebrities or or well-known people and he kind of like weaves them together super Mm. fascinating i love reading Mm. that one Mm. Uh, that's a that's a great plug right there i love his uh twitter threads you know every time i i I learn something new billy's a great guy so one of the things uh, i also want to unpack is about have you you've you've at this point you've you have so many strategies in your mind because of profiling people and what are some strategies that you implemented in your newsletter growth like 50,000 plus subscribers less than a year what are some things that really worked for you and if you want to mention whose strategies are those that you you know imitated you know who are they sure um so one of the main ones that I started copying essentially uh this guy named ali abu lada i think is his last name he writes uh, yeah 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 yeah. yeah. he writes a newsletter called first 1000 and Mm -hmm. he had this referral program where he was essentially um if you referred a certain number of people to his newsletter he would shout you out in the newsletter which is exactly what i do now um and it works Mm. pretty well so that is where i got my referral program from um Mm. he's since changed it to be a different like giveaway every month so if you get 20 
referrals that month, you get the pitch deck from Uber or whatnot. But it it really lends itself well to his audience because they're all people trying to create a startup or founders mm. and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I've just stuck with the uh, the referral program that he started with. So that was and, one of the big ones. And anything that you didn't uh, apply to yourself, but you found it really fascinating that you recommend uh, other newsletter writers. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton that I haven't done because it's just, I mean, every week I, I learn something new um, from these people, which is really fascinating. But um, I mean, if you think of like a Sahil Bloom, like he'll come up with these different topics every week um, and he writes his own personal piece about them and kind of does it that way where I haven't done that because although I want to, I would love to do like multiple um, issues a week to be able to yeah. like you know, put out more content, but at this point I just haven't done that, <laughs> but it, it works well. And, and then you end up getting more spots for sponsorships and, and just engaging with your audience more frequently, um, right. has been really well, been doing really well for people. Yeah. Talk to me about your, uh, oh, for sure. I think, uh, more content is always like, uh, is something that everybody wish they want to do. Even I want to, so my, my podcast is a weekly podcast. I started as a bi-weekly and then I realized, you know, what quickly is where people can remember. Uh, they have that attention span that they, they can give and, you know, I hope, it, yeah. you know, they, they come back again week over week uh, for a new uh, new persona and introducing to a new, you know, creator, founder, etc. Uh, but at the same time, I wish I had like a, like a daily podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot Indeed. of work. <laughs> That's a lot of work. So more is always a uh, lot of work. And so, yeah, one of the things uh, when you research, right, uh, talk to me about your note-taking process. I know you said about long walks, registering, mm -hmm. you know, some of the ideas, and you probably, like, you know, come back. So note-taking is such a such an important piece, you know. You find these angles, patterns, how do you compose your notes in a way that 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 converts into a, a weekly edition? Yeah, good question. Um, so when I'm walking, it's kind of it can be challenging to like type with your fingers on your phone while you're moving. Um, so I usually do like the voice to text thing um, and mm. I'll just kind of speak out what I'm thinking or, or what I just heard. Um, and then I'll include like a little timestamp so I can go back to that if I need to. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of the notes end up getting scrapped or they don't get included. And I think it's mm. just that me for me going through and, and actually taking the notes is, is where the, the value really is. It's not necessarily going back to the notes. Um, just the act of actually writing them down or, or speaking them um, helps me put that together and kind of start writing the deep dive. But mm. yeah, I mean, the deep dive, it's, it's pretty formulaic. Like it's not necessarily a template, but it's got the same sections so that people know what to expect every week, which also makes it a little easier to write because I know what, what to include. Um, but yeah, a lot of the notes don't even get included in the, in the final piece. What would you do with that? Like, I'm, I'm curious, like the, the things that didn't end up in the newsletter, you have, you, you must have so much material. How are you thinking? <laughs> uh, what are you doing with that? You're sitting on a gold mine in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, and actually, I've been struggling to be consistent on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, and this mm. past week, I did a, a deep dive on Austin Belsack. And he's he has like over 1.3 million followers on LinkedIn. Um, wow. But his 
on process LinkedIn? on LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Twitter, but whoa, yeah. who's this guy? My yeah. God. So he talks about, you know, getting jobs and changing careers and that kind of thing. So it's actually really beneficial and it, it meshes well with the LinkedIn audience. So I think that's mm. why he got so big, but um, he's actually close friends with Justin Walsh. Um, but yeah, so he actually talks, he told Jay Klaus of Creator Science that mm -hmm. uh, he tried to get started on LinkedIn three or four times and it never stuck. And what mm. got him to finally be consistent, like ongoing, was that he put together 30 to 40 pieces of content that mm. he had in a backlog. So he created mm -hmm. all of these posts before actually sharing them on LinkedIn. So then he mm. was able to kind of, you know, have this this backlog of content to fall back on if he couldn't think of anything to write that morning. So I think mm. I'm going to try and do that with all of those notes that I have that haven't gotten used. Yeah, volume. So even you yeah. know, when I started my journey on Twitter, I had like 200, even less than, you know, followers. Uh, the only thing that got me uh, going is I used to post like 40 to 50 tweets per day. I'm not doing now. Wow. Uh, in the beginning, I used to go ballistic. Like I have a full, I, I definitely, I know back then I had a, like a full-time job in my, you know, corporate, corporate setup. And you know how corporate usually works, right? Like it's not time consuming, but it's really boring. Mm -hmm. So I took up on a challenge that every time I feel bored, I used to like literally go on Twitter, like, you know, just document, document, document. <laughs> Any thought that comes to my mind, like just this guy, Billy, pick, pick the theme. I used to like pick like a, like a certain topic I'm very fascinated about either I learn or know about, right? That really actually like, you know, helped uh, get people's mind registered on me as an individual. Uh, and it also gave me like a way to express because there is no filtration. You just put it out and it, it helped me become more vulnerable, transparent and build up that persona. As an introvert, that persona would have never existed if I would have never documented. So please do it. Like, you know, it really helps. Uh, forget about followers that count that's separate, but I had intangible benefits of just documenting, you know, on an ongoing basis. So volume there really works. Uh, shout out to Jay Close, good friend. He's on the podcast too. <laughs> okay. Uh, man, we, we have, we're, we live in a very small world, right? Yes. We, <laughs> uh, and you also mentioned, so my favorite scoop of growth in reverse is, I literally wrote it. I can show you like Kat Norton. Oh yeah. She's like the, you know, she runs Miss, Miss Excel on YouTube and she's what, like 2 million per year. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she has grown. Yeah. It might be even more at this point. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> What's your favorite scoop of growth in reverse like you know who's your all-time favorite if you want to mention hmm. that's a good question um i always come back to the justin welsh um hmm. i don't know but jack butcher's up there too so i just love uh, justin's story like he hmm. it's so straightforward like the way he does it he shares all of his systems and it's really hmm. just you know be consistent create something every week posts on LinkedIn and Twitter every day and like his his it's very formulaic and it's so straightforward and I just really love the way he puts out content and actually helps people and cares about the people he's interacting with um, mm. he's not just you know out there to make money or you know yeah. do the creator thing because it's fancy or fun or whatnot but 
Um, right. But then Jack Butcher at the same time, like he's completely changed. I think that the way creators think about content, because it's typically you're thinking of like a podcast or writing and he's come in and he completely changed it with visuals and it's everything's visual. And if you can figure out a way to add visuals to your content, it just becomes so much more powerful. So mm. his story is really fascinating to me too. Big Even though he's kind of like gone in the NFT route now, but <laughs> yeah, big shout out to both. Jack is the first guest on my podcast. I'm so fortunate uh, wow. to kickstart with Jack. He's a you know he's an amazing, amazing, amazing creator. I know he's 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 kind of is in his own uh, world right now with all the NFTs. Uh, so you know, but he's still he's still you know one of the best. Justin, of course, uh, a quick fun story. Uh, I've told this many times. Justin is the one who helped me learn about sales when I was doing, when I was building this product called Shoutout. I never sold anything. I'm, I'm an introvert. Like I had like no clue. I can, I can build a great product. I can do all that, understand people and all that, but never had this ability to sell. But he gave, uh, he brought me, he removed that self-doubt in a way that, you know, he shared some of the stories with him that happened uh, when he was doing consulting and, you know, uh, before even like building that million dollar business. That really helped me like, you know what, this is the framework, you know, you can use authenticity to sell. Like very few mm. people realize that. So a big shout out to Justin as well. Uh, so awesome. let's switch gears a little bit about uh, reverse engineering. Uh so doing research can be linear. You you start from A, you end up, you know, point B. And there are so many takeaways, patterns like you mentioned. But your niche that you're excelling or succeeding is going back and reverse engineering it and teaching in a way that other people can replicate, you know, others' playbook. So how does the process of reverse engineering work? And what is what does it teach you? about growth strategies? Yeah, uh, it teaches me a lot. <laughs> um, but reverse engineering, like what I was talking about, talking to you about before, um, I start with all those interviews and then I kind of pull out, okay, here are the three things they did in the beginning. And then I mm -hmm. try, I go and try and find the examples. So I will go to their website or I'll use a tool called the Wayback Machine, which is like mm. My favorite tool on the internet. <laughs> so you essentially, it'll take all the all the weird screenshots there. <laughs> oh man, it's it's great. So you know, if like a Dickie Bush says he did something a long time ago and now it's gone off the internet, I'll go back and see if I can't find it in the Wayback Machine, um, just right. to be able to give my audience like a screenshot of what he had done in the past. Um, right. And because most people don't really take the time to do that, it's mm. it's pretty powerful. Um, or like a Drew Riley from Trends.vc. Yeah. He actually is very into A-B testing and optimizing mm -hmm. his website. So I found like 17 iterations of his homepage just by going through every snapshot of the Wayback Machine. Um, <laughs> so then I shared all of those on my my deep dive of his business. Wow, Drew. Yeah. Man, we uh, Chanel, we have so many, you know, you know so many people in common. Drew is a good friend. Yes. Before I, I know was going through your he... podcast list and I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I know Drew before Drew started Trends. So uh, I've collaborated wow. with him a couple of projects. We had this small mastermind. Uh, he's part of amazing, you know. He's a yes. great, incredible guy. 
uh i love the fact super that nice guy used, yeah super nice guy super straightforward guy no bullshitting around him mm-hmm. he's just you know no sugar coating nothing he's just you know give it to you yes and what a great hack i have i have to, <laughs> i know wayback machine uh but i never used it for research <laughs> that is so that's the biggest takeaway for me i should use it probably yeah, i read it up after this um but one of the things about reverse engineering right like what's the most surprising thing you've learned from reverse engineering you know doing these research on these top you know creators yeah i mean there's a couple i think the first one is that everyone starts out like a little nervous about it like mm. <laughs> if you go back and listen to like the first interviews everyone's done it's like well, i didn't really so, know if this was going to work but i just went out, went ahead and tried it and so mm. i always tell a lot of people who come to me and ask like what's your biggest piece of advice i'm like just get started like you could it might change a year down the road but you can just start now and see if you can't figure it out um like packy mccormick started and he didn't see i think i don't even think he hit a thousand subscribers for like the first year he was writing yeah. so mm-hmm. it's just like now he's a huge name in the creator space but it took him a long time to get there so mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories where you see these shiny you know oh this this newsletter hit 60,000 subscribers in five months and it's like well that's not that's not the norm like most people it takes time um and the sustainable newsletters that i think will be around for a while actually do take a little time mm-hmm. to grow mm-hmm. and uh I think starting is such an important piece. Uh, I just want to add piggyback of what you said. I think the best way to start is start small. Even don't even think about comparing yourself with your heroes in that position because I, I think a lot many people just just stop there because they didn't do a good job of what Chanel is doing in November 2023 because they just are getting started, right? I think yep. Every should everybody should really go to their v1 versions if they're you know matching with themselves with others yeah it's so easy to get overwhelmed when you're you're looking at someone who has a podcast and a newsletter and a youtube channel and it's like well yeah but it's probably they've been doing this for six years like you can start small start with a newsletter or start with one you know content medium and then grow from there like you don't have to do everything at once and i think the second biggest motivation uh, at least that worked for me is doing for yourself Mm, uh, yes. I do this podcast. It's been an over, over an year. I do this purely for myself so that I can learn from people like you, ambitious people, creators who are, you know, making a ripple. I would have never started this if I were doing if I have this this uh, ambition, not an ambition but like this expectation of how do I bring or deliver content to x number of listeners because that's pressure right there so yeah it, it's it's already hard to start so on top of it if you put expectations that you want to deliver value for x reasons it's you're never going to start i think that that really worked for me uh, do it for yourself genuinely have that curiosity what can i learn from you know this person like you know whether it is podcasting or even newsletter i think that's how you started as well mario's uh you know case study or profile really triggered okay this there is something there what if i keep on repeating that something right i think that's how you ended up being uh gathering like more than 50000 people because you're the first subscriber to your newsletter uh yeah and with mario's 
uh, deep dive. I was actually doing the research before I had the idea to create the newsletter. So I was kind of just reverse engineering his story to figure it out for myself. And then mm. after a while, I was like, wait, I'm putting a lot of energy into this. And I couldn't find anyone else doing something like Growth and Reverses now. So I was like, let me see if somebody else wants to read this. So I just made it into like an easier to read blog post and then started a newsletter around it. So it did what start for me. Your, yeah, I'm curious now that I shared my kind of, you know, my tidbit about when I started, what was going on uh, your mind when you just started? What was your expectation like? Were, were you doing this for fun, for a living? When did you take it like, okay, you know what? I can make a living out of it. What was those uh, initial days look like for you? Yeah, I mean, the first few posts, I didn't even realize if this was going to be like a thing that I continued to do or if it was just, you know, I was excited about it for three weeks and then I was going to drop off because I have mm. a tendency to do that with things I get excited about. Um, so it's it's just really interesting to kind of understand and, and learn as you go. And then I mm -hmm. realized um, after probably four or five issues, I was like, whoa, there's something here. Um, mm. And people are really, really enjoying this. So I just kept going. But I mean, I still have two, one or two clients left doing paid ads. Um, but I do plan to uh, kind of phase them out here shortly. So mm. um, this will become my full-time thing in a probably a month or two. What is your moment of this is pointless? in the last one year when did you feel like oh my god this is really ridiculous i should do something else that's an interesting question um i don't think i've had that yet which is really fascinating um i've been lucky enough that be since the early days people are just like really interested in this and they're sharing it mm. um, i even get messages from the people i'm doing the deep dive on saying this is really fascinating so at this point i haven't had that yet um, so, you know, hopefully my growth trajectory is still, <laughs> still ahead of us here, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been the most fun I've had in business ever. So I'm going to keep awesome. going with it. Yeah. Let's hope <laughs> you, you won't feel the, the heat or, you know, the self-doubt, you know, you're killing it. I love your newsletter. Like I said, in the beginning, that's one thing I open for sure. Uh, Thank every you. time, uh, and when it comes to these profiles, how do you pick, what's your selection criteria? Do you look up for someone who was like you uh, or do you look like, okay, let's actually completely go in a different route, pick some random person who has an interesting story? What is your criteria? It's a good question. Um, at this point, I have a list of people that I might potentially do deep dives on that I'll go through like every Monday. I'll go through and I'll kind of pick which one I do for that week or I'll try and pick one and then start researching and be like, man, I'm not really feeling that one this week. so pick a different one. Um, but the criteria is really, um, they have more than 50,000 subscribers. And I like to do non AI newsletters at this point. Um, I did one on <laughs> Zane Khan of superhuman, but I think, um, I don't know, I just I feel like I enjoy the more sustainable type of newsletters, like someone who's been doing this for three or more years. Um, just because I don't know. I feel like it, they're not just jumping into something just to sell it and get out real quick. So it's mm. more fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's really just what I feel drawn to that week. Um, mm. There's not really, I don't have a schedule going forward or anything. So um, yeah, that's kind of why, why, why as a mark, why, why do you think is that, is there, is that where you feel like uh, growth will uh, happens automatically or why, why pick 50,000? 
Um, I think it's big enough that it's it stands out. Um, and it's also, to me, in the beginning, it felt like a point where if someone made it to 50,000 subscribers, they were going to stick with that thing. Like, mm. now I feel like with paid ads and stuff, like, a lot of people get there faster, and I'm not sure that they're going to stick with it, so I probably won't profile them. But um, for a, a solo creator, if they hit 50,000, it's, like, a big deal. And I feel like they've mm. done they've tried enough things they've done enough um they've had enough experiences that it's worth going back and reverse engineering their story i think in your, what you're saying is it's something that's achievable but it's at the same time you know uh, there is a growth hack that kicks off uh, to reach that number uh, that's good do you i know you already kind of you know expressed how you grew to like 26 26k uh, subscribers for growth in reverse but uh, what are some things that you didn't cover in that we will definitely like plug that edition but what is something that you didn't cover that you want to probably like now that you're talking expressing like in real time how would you uh, do a scoop on yourself like zero to where you are right now yeah, I think I've covered most of it in that post because I actually gave a talk at a conference in October. And so I had to like kind of go back through and figure out how I did it. So I really mm. spent a lot of time <laughs> researching what I did and going back through. Um, but again, I think it comes back down to like putting out content that's unique or something different that people don't see every day um, is really going to be the thing that catapults you. Like you can run paid ads to any newsletter and you'll probably get a few subscribers. But if it's not something that people look at and they go, whoa, this is different or, whoa, this is saving mm. me time. Um, I think it's going to be really hard to take like the growth that you've started and really um, amplify that, if you will. So mm. I, I really think it starts with content. Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback of people saying like, I read this every week. I look for this in my inbox, um, which is always a good sign. I think if you find something your audience really enjoys reading every single week, you're going to have an easier time. Um, mm -hmm. And that just makes everything else easier. So because I spend so much time and people can see that I'm passionate about this, um, they'll refer other people to me or they want to share recommendations and I'll recommend their newsletter. They recommend mine. Um, mm. Those kinds of things work well. Cross promotions mm. also. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, content and then building relationships with other creators, I think are the two that really like have a big impact value and network i think that's that's yes. two biggest uh, ingredients for that will set up for success Agreed. one of the things uh, if if I, if I may deep dive into your uh not a deep dive but more of like dissecting how you write your newsletter one of the things i really observed two things one is you don't put the content in the newsletter you make sure that people click so that they end up on your website, right? So you hyperlink it, number one. I mm -hmm. want to understand why. And did you do like an A-B testing there of versus like you writing the content, you know, putting copy pasting everything there versus hyperlink A. Uh, number two is you have a very interesting way of introducing a deep dive. Even, <laughs> even that, or even like, you know, you, if you want to give you a shout out to some some creator, most of the times you don't mention their name. Mm, it yes. actually is really like, you know what, <laughs> let me click this so that who is this? You know, you, you kind of entice people. So 
if you can talk to me about a little bit more about both of those points at least that's my observation okay. uh the juicy reads even in that you don't really say that hey this is the person wrote this you uh, you have like an enticing takeaway that you mentioned in that so talk to me about both of those yeah so the first one um why i don't put the full deep dive in an email um it actually was kind of accidental um i just started realizing that because these were like 3000 plus words long on a regular basis like it was going to get mm. cut off halfway through anyway so somebody would have to click over to the website um and it also i have a little bit of a design background uh very small um and it just looks better on a web page mm. in my opinion um but also i think a lot of the things that i talk about like could this is totally there's no data to back this up but um i think some of the words that i use in my deep dives could uh trigger a spam filter like i don't know the way this person made a million dollars or or that kind of mm. thing I, I think it could trigger a spam filter i have no data to back that up though um so i just i use the link to send people to the website mm. just because Got they're it. too long anyway and the the mm. images that i include would be too heavy if you will mm-hmm. um they'd have to click over anyway and then because oh so why i don't say their name before i you know introduce the link to the deep dive um i think a lot of people myself included when you hear a name of a creator that you know um there comes like an a, inherent bias that you have in your mind like even with Austin Belsack he has 1.3 million linkedin followers and it just you know sometimes you feel this like pang of like eh, i don't really want to learn from this guy he's it's too far out of reach like i'm not going to there's nothing in there that's relatable for me. So by by teasing it out and having someone click through, I feel like there's more of a chance that they'll actually read through the whole thing and and learn something. Um but it also just makes for a good uh not necessarily clickbait title, but um gets people enticed and clicking through to learn more. Mm, that's very fascinating. Uh I think there's like a psych, you know, psychological thing as well. You said about bias, you know, once you know someone you either like you said ah you know what they they're doing interesting stuff but what i need is something that i can take away immediately i think that takeaway itself can be a trigger uh, mm-hmm. that's amazing and going back to your other thing uh do you think in your opinion friction is good when it comes to newsletter so adding a hyperlink is friction right mm-hmm. they're not getting their the first uh you're asking to do one more step opening an email is a step one reading through the first few lines step two clicking clicking on the url step three and then they get basically there is like a step to step you know friction do you think friction works in newsletter uh if not or even even in your research right uh you've done so many people's uh you know deep dives what is what is your opinion on friction I think both ways could work. I think it really depends on your content, your audience, that kind of thing. Um I don't do it to necessarily introduce friction, but it doesn't hurt that people have to click through to read the deep dive because, you know, open rates these days are kind of questionable anyway, so a click is maybe more reliable as a metric for you mm. to understand like if people are actually interested in your content. Um That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, friction could work, but I don't do it just for the sake of adding friction. Um, but I think, yeah. I mean, I if I was writing shorter pieces, I probably would just put the whole thing in the newsletter. 
Mm. The reason I asked that question is generally, you know, uh, there is a big shift in terms of offering friction versus not offering friction, just in general, even in, in products, uh, which I, you know, I used to think a lot about not offering friction because the more easy it is, the more conversions, like, you know, if you're building a product, you know, users being using free to like paid and whatnot. But lately, if you realize that is what at least my realization is, the more friction you add, the more serious buyers you're encouraging. Like people who go through those steps, that means they can, they're really taking the pain, but they're, because they're very interested in whatever you're doing, right? So that's why I asked like, you know, uh, it, it, will that work for content as well? The more friction you add, uh, that means you you have like a serious reader, like 24K, whoever is clicking, that's interesting too, like, Click rate versus open rate, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to ask you. I think you know we're 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 at, we're at the end of the time, but how do you measure uh, the success of growth in reverse? Like, what are your key metrics that you follow? Um, I mean, number of subscribers is great, but it doesn't really tell the whole story at the end of the day. Um, for me, right now, success is when I get replies to the newsletter or someone DMs me on Twitter and says oh my God, I read this one this week and I had four takeaways that I just gave two to my VA like that I'm going to implement this week. Like that to me is the whole reason this is so much fun is like just learning, helping other people grow. Um, And then those people come back and they're like, hey, I tried this and it didn't work. So then I learn through that as well. So it's really just, you know, building a sense of community and helping other people um, with their own newsletters. I think a lot of this content creation and audience game is, it gets more challenging as time goes on. And I think that if you can help someone, you know, have their, their content mm. do it just a little bit better, then you're on the right path. Awesome. Uh, one last question before, before we wrap up. Uh, I'm very, very curious about what's next for Chanel and growth uh, in reverse. Like, what are you exploring right now? What is an ambitious thing you are doing in 2024 now that we're entering into a new year? Uh, will you keep on? Of course, you will keep on writing about profiles any interesting projects that you're thinking about yeah um i'm getting ready to put out a course around what i've learned uh, so you can read all the deep dives and you get you know some takeaways but i'm trying to you know share the how people use a specific growth tactic throughout Mm. like not just one person's story it's like how these six people did it and here are the top five takeaways um and you know have videos explaining how the how they've done that um, and then mm. it's also just like how I've been able to grow my newsletter. So I'm kind of combining mm. both of those things into one course. So that should be out later this year, actually. Um, but that's the nice. biggest thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward for that. I think the biggest thing I'm manifesting for you is, you know, I think you should write a book. And <laughs> oh, the title you. should be Growth in Reverse, period. You know, it's so... I appreciate that. Yeah, I would I would love to, you know, I would be the, your first buyer because I I would love to implement... The thing about growth is, the beautiful thing about growth is it applies to everything, but it its own way, right? Like, you know, I build products. I, I do this content piece as well as a creator, but some of the things you write about friction, like, for example, you know what? Maybe friction can be introduced in product too. So 
I feel that that's the angle that I look forward to. Like, you know, many people have different, different angles. They purely are growing their newsletters, reading growth in reverse, but uh, it would be an awesome feat if you probably like, you know, bundle up with, uh, with writing a book. So manifesting for that. Chanel. I appreciate that. My friend Kat keeps telling me the same thing every time I see her. So uh might have to listen to you guys here soon. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We're, we 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 save for a reason. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. I think it all just comes back to uh getting started. No matter what you're doing, it's just taking that first step is the really mm. big thing here. So I love that. And, you know, yeah. hopefully we'll get a deep dive about how you built your studio. I'm so kind of <laughs> in awe, like, you know, it's so, it looks so good. So beautiful. Uh, but uh, on that note, like that's it guys, like start, that's the best way. And uh, to achieve what, you know, any dreams of yours, but just do in a very small way, you know, go micro before you go yes, macro. Definitely. That really helps. Uh, to move faster uh it's so underappreciated but if you do it you'll know the power and stay tuned guys like we have some awesome awesome creators founders vcs uh like like chanel you know joining the show uh stay tuned for more episodes and i'm so grateful for your attention your time giving to us and we do this for you um hopefully you get you learned something new today and stay tuned for the next episode cheers for Thanks.